Hello, and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. My name is Jessica. I am your host today, and it is always good to be with you. Today, Ryan is continuing in our series, Living in Christ, and it's a great message. I'm so glad that you are here. And when you have a chance, you can access links in our show notes, things like a link to our message notes, a link to connect with us on the Connect card. There are also ways to give and a link to our e-newsletter called The Feed. And that's where you can find out all things happening and coming up. And Easter is right around the corner. So be sure that you are accessing what you are looking for. And you can always add comments in a comment card if you need help finding what you are looking for. Well, here is Ryan, and then he will send us out with the blessing. How's everybody's weekend going so far? All right? No? Fair enough. Hey, hey, don't need to have false positivity here. I can deal with it. We all have those bad days, bad weeks. Mine's been kind of busy, so I'm looking forward to you all leaving and going home this afternoon to just be real, just to be real with you. Like, I could use a few hours just doing nothing. So uh, let's just get through this. What do you say? Let's just get through this, and we'll call it a day. If you're a guest, I apologize. You're not getting my best today. Uh, a solid C minus, I'm pretty confident when it's all said and done. So no, it's good. Good to be together. Hey, if you are a guest today, thank you for being here. If you're tuning in for the first time online, uh, so glad to have you. If you're out in the uh, atrium, enjoying the, the, the sunshine and watching there, welcome. My name is Ryan. The lead pastor here, as Dennis has said, it's just my joy to get to serve and be a part of what God is doing through you all. Uh, it really is wonderful. If you are a guest today, uh, we have those talk notes in the program. You all, everybody can pull those out. If you're a fill-in-the-blank person uh, for our guests, it gives you hope that it will end. See, we're a place of hope. You just follow the, there's, you know, sometimes it gets a little scary because you're like, he's only done one fill-in. Right? But it'll give you some hope there. And uh, if you've got your pen out, I, I try to remember to do this every week. Uh, for, for anybody that I haven't had the opportunity to have coffee with, to get to know you, I would love to do that. It really would be my joy, uh, especially if you're a guest. And I know walking into a church for the first time, whether you have background in church world, whether you don't, it doesn't matter. It, it all can get complex. And so if, uh, if you'd love to, I'd love to have coffee with you. You're welcome to pay for that coffee. Uh, it doesn't bother me one. No. On me, I'd love to do it. My cell phone number, write this down. It really is 207-608-1106. I'll say it one more time. 207-608-1106. Send me a text with your name, information, and let's have coffee. Uh, and I'll be happy to share anything about my life that's relevant uh, for you as you're thinking about or seeing where, where like the universe, God, whatever word you use, is directing you. I uh, would love for, to, to meet you. So that would be a lot of fun. We're, it's been weird uh, coming here five months before the pandemic and then having about a year of really not being able to contact and get to know people. So this is just a great way to do that. So that's there. Um, please don't prank. Call me. Uh, Please don't do that, all right? Uh, that would not be fun for, for me, but uh, would love to have coffee. Send me a text, all right? Hey, we're in a series called Living in Christ, super creative uh, series title. Uh, I thought of it myself, uh, super... <laughs> It's like, what does that even mean? Well, living in Christ is this, we're, we're kind of in this journey this year where we're kind of getting out there a, a peacemaking pathway. And so we're doing three teaching series throughout this 
this kind of year where we're talking about the kind of fundamentals, the foundations of what we're calling here peacemaking spirituality. And so we started uh, back in the fall, we did a series called Believing Like Jesus, where we looked at if Jesus was a human being, which he was, uh, did some crazy weird things, we get that, but still a human just like us, what did Jesus believe about himself? What did Jesus believe about God? And how do we model our beliefs uh, on Jesus? Because belief determines behavior. And I think most of us here, we want to center our lives around the behaviors of Jesus. We want to mirror that. And that's the idea of healthy, I think, healthy spirituality. And now we're in this series of living in Christ. And it comes from this anchor verse uh, where the apostle Paul wrote, and I don't have this on the second screen. So this is going to be like super complicated for everybody because I I don't have the whole message memorized contrary. So uh, I don't know how this is going to work. They might need a second to fix it. Um, So just talk amongst yourselves because when I hit a button, it goes blank, right? But the anchor verse for this series says, you must think of yourselves as being dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. And so this idea of what is a, a life hidden in Christ look like, right? Where we're like dying to self and being raised to new life in Christ, right? That's what we're doing. It's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Now, Easter's coming, right? Okay, so what I'm doing right now is I'm not doing the message, but I'm tying this into the message while they fix the technology. So I just like everybody to know what's happening here. Uh, Easter's coming, and we're going to be launching on Easter the third part of this series, right? So we're in Living in Christ. We're going to move into a series called Keeping Hope Alive. And so if living in Christ is this idea of what is the inner life of a peacemaker like, keeping hope alive is about what is the community of peacemakers all about? What are the things that we believe deeply in? So that's what we're going to be exploring on. And we're going to start that on Good Friday, okay? That's what's exciting. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you are thinking, just thinking, raise your hand, you're just thinking about coming out on Good Friday to the Good Friday service. You're not not committing. I get it. But you're just thinking, maybe I'll maybe try. It's at 6.30, all right? So we got a a great experience. uh, It's about 45 minutes, kind of a a contemplative, immersive environment. But we're doing something kind of fun that I need help with. (laughs) All right, so here's, here's where I need your help. If you have a background in drama. Not, not a person who likes drama. That's different, okay? <laughs> and let's face it, we're all church people, so we like a little drama, right? But if you have a background in theater, in drama, we're not doing any kind of live performance, but I'm looking for just a couple of people that would be willing to maybe help out over the next seven to ten days with some dramatic stuff. And so if you have that background, would you just on the back of your Connect card write, drama or dramatic person or whatever it might be, whatever you feel most comfortable. And, and, and I might reach out to you and see if you'd be interested in helping out with something over the next. Because we, we don't have like a drama group right now going on, but just need a few voices that may, might want to participate uh, ahead of time, all right? So if that's you, if you're at home, if you're here, that's wonderful, okay? All right, perfect, wonderful. Now let me ask you another question. I'm into questions today. How many of y'all have a friend, right? And that friend, you know, you can count on them for anything. That if they say they're in, they're in. You got a friend like that, right? Your person. Like if you call them and said, so-and-so, we need to bury him. You would be like, okay. You know they would go with you. They would just assume you have a good reason for killing them. And so you're just like, let's go. They wouldn't even question it. Like, 
we're going to prison together, right? Now, I'm not condoning that behavior. I'm just saying that's the kind of commitment they have, right? Like, you know, if they are in, they're in, right? Now, on the opposite side of it, how many of you have a person, a coworker, somebody that you want to count on, but you know every time they say yes, they might have the best of intentions, but at the end of the day, you just can't count on them. You know those folks, like anybody got one of those in your life, you work with them, you just wish when they say, I got it, I'll have it for you on Tuesday, you know, no chance that that's ever happening, right? They just have a track record. Now let's get real, okay? First fill in, number one. This is, now we're moving from people you know, okay? Everybody loves to talk about people they know. Let's talk about us, right? How many of us, raise your hand up nice and high, have ever disappointed somebody? Right on. I love honesty. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're lying. <laughs> Self-deceived. You have disappointed people. Right? We, we have this reality that we disappoint people in our lives. Right? And we don't necessarily mean to. We have the best of intentions. But there will come a point in our lives where we will disappoint someone. And disappointment is about a gap. Right? Disappointment is a gap in our expectation and our experience with someone, right? Let, from, from the most mundane level of, of food, meal, right? You go out to a restaurant, and somebody told you this is the best restaurant on the planet. You go, you order, the food comes out, and it's awful, right? So you're disappointed. Well, why are you disappointed? Because you had an expectation, you had an experience, and there was a gap. And it's usually a downward-trending gap, right? That's disappointment, right? Surprise and excitement is when the gap is on the other side of things. Somebody tells you, oh, I hated that restaurant, but you're already there, right? And then you eat and you're like, what are they talking about? It was amazing, right? You have that gap. But that's what disappointment is. It can happen with a movie. It can happen with a meal. And in those types of things, right, there's not much at stake, right? You go to a restaurant, you have a bad meal, you don't go back, right? Or if you're a super gracious person, you go, oh, I'll give it another try. Another time I'll try something else. But what about relationships, Right? Relationships are far more fragile and have far more at stake than just going to a restaurant and being disappointed. Right? And we have relationships all around us. Right? And the reality is we can, we can disappoint people at work. We can disappoint people uh, in our homes. Right? So at work, we disappoint people when we make commitments to tasks, when we make commitments to being present, and we don't deliver. We don't deliver at the right kind of quality. We didn't put the time in that we're supposed to. We disappoint people at home. We make promises to our partners. We make promises to our kids, and then we break them. We make commitments. Oh, and then this is like preaching now. Like it's quiet in the room. It's, qu it's quiet in here, right? This is just like, uh, people are looking, where's the exits? Are the doors open? Have they locked the doors today? Right? No. We make these commitments, these promises, from as simple as I'll be home at six o'clock, right? To, yeah, let's do that this weekend. And then something happens, right? Well, why is that? Why is there a gap? Why do we, why do we don't want to do it? How many, let me ask you this question. How many of you love to disappoint people? You're like, I wake up and you're like, I'm going to disappoint my family this week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Like, nobody puts that in their calendar, right? You know, the Franklin Covey process, right? A, goal. Like, number one, disappoint family. Once I accomplish that, I'll move on to everybody at work. Disappoint people at work. Not on the agenda for the week, right? So why do we do it? Nobody wants to. Why do we do it? You know why we disappoint people? 
This is going to seem so counterintuitive, but you know why you disappoint people, why I disappoint people? Because I don't want to disappoint people. That's why we do it. Because what happens is we don't want to disappoint somebody, so what do we do? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I can do that. I'm in. And at the end of the day, at the end of all our commitments, at the end of all the things that we think we can do, because somewhere along the way, somebody told you that you could be everything, you could do everything, you could do anything you want. You can't do anything you want. You can't be everything, right? But that's what we think. So we make all these commitments, and at the end of the day, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy. Oh, here comes a good one. And we don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy. We don't have enough money to make all these commitments. So what happens? We disappoint. And with every disappointment that hits a relationship, there's an erosion of trust. And that's why this is such a big deal. Because every time we disappoint, there's just, there's just some, there's a trust that gets eroded. Anybody in the room parenting or grandparenting or caring for children in some way, shape, or form, raise your hand up nice and high. You've done it in your life. Maybe you're not doing it right now. Do you ever say to that one that you're kind of influencing, you're like, don't lose my trust. This is why don't lose my, because you know, like once trust is lost, it's hard because trust is the foundation for every healthy relationship. It is the foundation. All, I mean, you could read any business book, and they're going to tell you, foundation for a healthy team at your workplace is trust. Not that you trust these people with your children, right? Or that's not, but the idea that when someone says, I'm in, I'll be at the meeting, I'll get it done, you trust that they'll actually follow through. But all it takes is just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then we start asking the question, can I really trust this person? And what happens when people lose trust in you or in me? All of a sudden, the more that people lose trust in us, the more we lose trust in another person, the more people use their words to convince us that we can trust them, right? So if you don't trust somebody, you're like, oh, uh, no, no, really, I will, I promise, I swear, I'll do it, my mother's grave, blah, 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 blah. What are you talking about? Say, well, the last 14 times you said you'd be here, you weren't. Oh, no, but that's, and then what happens? We become experts at justifying all of our failures, (laughs) I mean, we, are, we become, like we could write a book on all the ways in which we justify the way in which we disappoint people. Oh, well, you know what? I had to work late, honey. I'm so sorry. I just had to work late. There was just this project. I, I'm sorry. I can't go to the game. I'm sorry. I can't be a part of this. I just, I, there's just this thing going on and we have all of it. I, oh, I'm, I double booked myself. I'm so sorry. I triple booked myself. I'm just too stressed. I'm too tired, I can't go. I just can't do it. And what happens, we all of a sudden justify our disappointing of others, our wounding of others. The Bible word is sin, but you know, we don't, uh, I understand, it's a touchy word. We justify it, and then when it comes full circle, we're the victims. We're the victims. Nobody understands the pressure I'm under. Nobody knows what it's like to pastor a church in COVID. Oh, I've heard that one. I'll disappoint everybody. But you don't know what it's like. And now all of a sudden, we're the victims. We're the, and everybody, there's just a wake of, of relational destruction around us. No trust, deep frustration. Everybody around us is just too sensitive. And we're the victims. And here's the thing, disappointment over time, like it will eventually destroy our relationships. Some of us have experienced this with the idea of the organized church. 
Maybe you come from a background where it was just one disappointment, a little disappointment. I mean, we're seeing it, I mean, we see it in the, in the media. We hear about these stories all the time about church leadership, about churches, and there's just disappointment in the way money was handled, the way church discipline, whatever that nonsense is, and all this stuff, you know. That'll give you a little hint on what I think about that phrase, by the way. The power, the manipulation, the oppression, the hatred, the homophobia, right? The, the, discri the discrimination and gender, like all these things. Disappointment over time it will destroy relationships. Why a lot of people have no relationship with the church. Lots of relationship with God, the universe, love, but and no relationship with the community of faith because there's just been too many disappointments along the way. Here's what's powerful. Like Jesus actually steps into a world that was facing similar realities where people's words didn't, weren't meaning much. And he gives some incredible wisdom about if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a peacemaker, then let's talk about this. And he gives us some great wisdom in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's where we've been kind of looking to get these inner commitments, right, about a peacemaker. Do you know, you'll, you'll have a voice inside your head that sounds like yours. Do you have that? Right? Like, you ever have thoughts where you think things through? <laughs> if you don't, let's work on that. Because that, that means thought word, and there should always be something happening in between that, right? <laughs> you know, Jesus had that little voice inside his head. And spiritual formation, the way I like to think about it, is spiritual formation is getting my voice to sound like Jesus's voice, right? When I have an encounter, when I have an experience, I want that inner voice to sound like what Jesus's inner voice was. And so Jesus is kind of talking about, here's what your inner voice should be in some things. And so here's what Jesus says about this whole circle of losing trust, this whole circle of, of disappointing people, of, of our words not having much meaning. He says this in, in Matthew chapter 5. And if you're new to Crossroads, and maybe you've had a bad experience with somebody who has my job. Maybe you had a great experience. Maybe you've had a bad experience with the Bible and it's been weaponized. One of the things around here I say a lot is, I'm really not trying to, to teach how to follow the Bible. I think that could be really disastrous. What we try to do here around here is how do we recognize the scripture as sacred and how do we use it as a book of wisdom in our lives? How do we recognize what it is and what it isn't? And so as we open up the scripture today, that, could, that can be a traumatic experience for people. And so I just want you to know, um, when we explore scripture, we're asking the question, what wisdom does it offer our lives? And what is the living spirit, right, love? What is God calling us and, and, and giving us in this text that our history, our, our spiritual ancestors have said, these texts are really important. They're really valuable to us, right? So as we jump in, I just like to say it. So Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus says, according to Matthew, says, again, you've heard that it was said to your ancestors, could, I'm having a bad morning. <laughs> could somebody bring me some water? I have got the biggest, thank, oh, thanks, Dennis. I've never... No, it wouldn't have bothered me any, Dennis, if you had drank some of it. I'm sorry. Okay, you thought I was going to close in prayer because I didn't have any. No way, we're just getting started. You didn't see how many fillings are left? Okay, so Jesus says this. Again, you've heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, so I want to give us a reminder of what Jesus is doing in these, these statements where he's saying, there's like, there's like six of them or eight of them. I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head, but he says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. So what Jesus is doing here is he's taking us down the wisdom path. 
He's taking us down a deconstruction, reconstruction model that's healthy spirituality. Hey, this is what you once believed. This is what you once held as truth. This is what you once were taught. It made sense. There was order, but now he's taking them down a path of disorder. So I'm going to kind of jumble it up for you so that on the other side of it, we can reorder and grow. That's growth. That's wisdom. We think we got it all figured out. Something happens, experience with the living God, and all of a sudden, there's a change, and we have to let go of things that maybe we once held very dear that had their space in our lives, right? So Jesus is going, uh, here's your order. I'm going to disorder that a little bit, but I'm not going to leave you there, right? I'm going to reorder you, okay? And now he's talking about this idea of oaths. Now, oaths were a big deal in a superstitious culture, and let's just not make any mistake about it. This is antiquity, a highly superstitious culture, right? Everything was seen as being, you know, triggered by the gods, uh, good things, bad things. It was all about whether the gods were happy with you or not happy with you. And don't think for a second that Judaism doesn't have that in its history. Don't think for a second that Christianity doesn't have that in, in our history. We do. And so there's this idea of oath-taking, which was very, very sacred. So like within Judaism, to take an oath by the, by the name of Yahweh, the God of Israel, was the most sacred thing you could do. And what happens is you take this oath, you say, I'm going to do this, you make a vow to do something, then you take the oath, and what happens is if you don't fulfill the oath, it turns into a curse. That's what happens. So when you say, I'm going to do this, and then you swear and you take this vow, you make an oath, you take the vow, and you swear by the name of your God, what you're saying is, as God is the witness to all of this, if I don't follow through my obligation, let me be cursed, right? So really powerful language that would happen there. So here's what happens. By the time Jesus is around, you have a bunch of religious and political leaders, right? Because if you hear these terms, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, right? These groups of people, they weren't just religious groups, they were also political parties, right? So our context, the best way to think about it is to think in terms of like Democrats, Republicans, independents, whatever political parties there are, because there was no separation of church and state. So you just have to remember that. So what happens is you have the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they kind of change things around because they don't want to get caught making a, a vow and taking an oath to God. So they would stop doing it. They would kind of leave God out of it. And this is what they would do. They say, well, by, I swear by heaven, or they would say, I swear by earth, or they would say, I swear by Jerusalem, the holy city. But they wouldn't bring God into it, right? Because they were smart enough to know, like, I don't know, things happen in life, right? And so they could, be, they could get out of it. So they could promise to do something, but then they could like leave this little window to say, yeah, but if I don't, it's really no big deal. So that's kind of what's happening here. And it's all around them. And, and, and we can look at, at historians of antiquity and they'll kind of verify this was kind of the model. Like the, the oath and the vow was just starting to, it wasn't held any longer for just a few specific instances in life, but now it's just being used all the time, but removing God's name from it. Okay, so here's what Jesus says. So Jesus says, but I say to you, right? So now he's in, the, he's in the disordering. You've heard it said, here's the disorder part. But I say to you, don't swear at all. Don't make a vow. Don't make an oath. Don't do it by heaven because that's God's throne. In other words, it's not yours to even swear by. He says, and don't do it by the earth because that's his footstool. Now, these are all metaphors, okay? Just metaphors. Just, and it's good. It's good metaphor and it's meaningful but God isn't kicking his feet up or her feet up, okay? Whichever pronoun you use, both are equally right. I used to say both are equally wrong, but both are equally right. I came to that realization. And so, because <laughs> God is spirit, that's a whole other topic. 
Okay. I shouldn't have said we use because it makes sense to us, right? We know what they mean, right? It means God's everywhere. It's all God's, all right? So it's not yours. It says, now don't say by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. It's not yours. He says, now don't swear by your head, because that was another thing they would do. I swear by my own head. Because you can't make a single hair white or black. I can't make a single hair. <laughs> forget, forget about white or black. Like, I, I can't make one, right? Not at all. And here's the thing. What Jesus is teaching was this. Like, come on, y'all. We have limits. <laughs> we have limits. You, you can swear by God that you're going to do this. You can swear by, but those aren't yours to swear by. You, you, you are a limited person. We are limited people. So this is all the disorder. So everybody's like listening because all they hear in their ear when Jesus would say this, all the times they've heard the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders of their community, take these oaths and swear. And Jesus says, don't even do that stuff. And now he brings in the order, right? The reordering. And what does Jesus say? He says, let your yes be yes. Let your yes mean yes. And your no mean no. That's it. He says, don't even bother with all this nonsense. Because here's the deal. You're using all this stuff, all this law, all this legalism to just get out of stuff. <laughs> you're misusing it. So don't even mean it. Just when you say you're going to do something, do it. When you say you're not going to do something, don't do it. And so Jesus believed that your word should have power. And that shouldn't surprise us because the scripture, our sacred text, is filled over and over again with this idea that the word of God is trustworthy, right? That the word of God is faithful. And the word of God, by the way, in scripture is not the Bible. The Bible didn't exist when that was written. The word of God is the experience of God, the truth of God that is teeming through this world. When you tap in and you understand the faithfulness of love, the power of love, the never give upness of love, right? And so Jesus is saying, you listen, the path of a peacemaker is, is filled with people whose word counts for something, who go out in their everyday normal life and are counted on. And they do this because this is the way love works. This is how peace is formed. No empty promises. No, how do I kind of say this to kind of get out of it? I'm just, my yes is my yes, my no is my no. And then Jesus says this really fascinating statement. He says, anything else is from the evil one. And what I think this means, right, is that anything besides, if when your word doesn't count, when you have to use all these things to get people to believe you, right, that deception is at work in all of that. Like when we have to force people to take vows, to put their hand on a Bible, to, to do whatever, right? We, I remember like when they started not having people put their hands on the Bible, to when they took them, like Christians lost their minds about this one, right? I don't know if you were all a part of that conversation, but it, it was crazy. Like we're abandoning God, like all this stuff, right? And, and maybe you were there and that, I, it's, that's fine. It's okay. But like Jesus is like, that kind of stuff is messed up. Like, if you need something under your hand, like, to make you really, really mean what you say, it's, it's from, there's some evil in that. There's some deception going on when we're called to that space, right? When our yes doesn't mean yes and our no doesn't mean no. So here's what I don't want us to miss, right? Because we're talking about crucifying and and crucifixion and resurrection this series, the cruciform life, a life filled with death and resurrection, those two powerful things. So the question I ask every week is, what do we have to crucify in the life of a peacemaker? 
And what I think Jesus is saying is we need to crucify our deceiving thoughts. If we're going to be people whose yes means yes and no means no, we have to crucify the deception that lives within us. And the deception within us is this idea that I can do everything, I can please everybody, I can never actually say, I don't, I just, I can do it all, right? And there's this deception that we hold that we can just produce far more time from no place, far more money from nowhere, far more mental and emotional health from nowhere, like poof, it's just there, pray harder. That's my favorite answer that church world has given to everybody. Struggling, living with depression, we'll just pray harder. I don't even know what that means, pray harder. Close my eyes harder? But I think, like, Jesus kind of get to the root and the root and the root. It's like, how about you just get to a place where when you say yes, you say yes, and when you say no, you say no, and you're just okay with that. You don't have to manage everybody's feelings, right? You don't have to manage what everybody thinks about you, because everybody's yes, and she's in. You can count on that. Or if she says she'll never do that, she'll never do that. Crucify deception. Let's close in prayer. Like, how do I do that? Right? So this is the fun part. Your everyday normal life. A great book was written probably 20 years ago called Margin. And the idea of margin is that all of us have differing capacity, what, what our capacity is. So like sometimes we talk about it as plate sizes. We all have different limitations. So imagine you have a plate, right? right? I'm going to just load it up, right? My kids are, are, are like notorious for this. You hit the buffet, right? Load it up. And then like there's no way they're eating all that food, Right? But of course, I'm a person who loves a deal, so I'm like, yep, put it all on there. It all costs the same. <laughs> but then I became a person who was like, let's not waste food, right? <laughs> Balancing those things. But that's the idea. We just load it up, load it up, load it up everywhere, right? So, so we're moving. I've mentioned this a few times because I'm trying to think about it. But uh, so, so we've been like amassing used boxes, you know, a few, uh, not many. I just want to make sure you all know because we're coming to get yours. So don't throw yours out yet. But we had a few like here in the church that were like things got delivered. And Wendy said to me, Wendy's my uh, partner, spouse, wonderful human being who uh, organizes our disability. <sighs> yes. <laughs> so I go in and I see these boxes and they're like big. And there's like 12 of them. And I'm like, I don't want to walk up those steps twice. So I like, nobody's in the building on Friday. So I'm like, I'm like trying to open the doors and I'm walking out and I've already written the message. So you think I'd know better, but you know, I, I finally, I get down the steps and then I hit the door and I hear, <laughs> and I thought, it is windy out there. <laughs> so now I'm in my mind, go like, how do I hold these boxes? So I'm wind dynamic, right? <laughs> Needless to say, if you were in the neighborhood, you would have seen me running across the crossroads property chasing a box that, you know, because what? I overloaded myself, right? I went beyond my limits because I was being lazy. I didn't want to walk another step up. I thought I could do it all. But here's the thing. You can't do it all. You can't do everything. We have our limitations. And there's three areas that we need margin desperately in, and that is in our finances, in our time, and in our soul. Our finances, our time, and in our soul. And, and there's so much that could be said about these areas. In, in, in my past, I've done like six, seven, eight-week teaching series on margin, and we should probably do that because we could spend a whole week talking about, we spend weeks talking about time. How do you build time into your, how do you build margin into your time? How do you build margin into your finances? These are all, I think, very kind of Jesus-oriented peacemaker realities because, right? Because that's where beauty happens, 
So finances, right? Margin in our finances is the space between our income and our expenses, <laughs> right? It's the space between the month and the money, right? Did we get to the end of the month and there's more month than there's money? And, and then also we don't have any margin. So what happens? We get stressed out. And what do we do? We disappoint some place that we're supposed to be giving money to, whether that's the electric company, the mortgage company, whether that's our commitment to a, a, a nonprofit that you love in the community, that they're counting on your donation, and, well, we've just done it again. We've overspent, and so we can't make that donation, right? There, we just start disappointing people. Time, right? Time, it's the space between our commitments and our freedom. I love it when I ask people, oh, what are you up to this week? And they're like, oh, nothing. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> And at some point, you have to decide, like, what are my limitations? Like, how many nights a week do I need to actually leave free? I could do something, but I choose not to because I need the margin. I need the margin so that I can say yes at the right time. Here's the thing about our souls, our emotions, our, 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 our mental health. I put that all in one category, by the way. Um, I'm not a person who gets real caught up in, like, are we soul, spirit, body? Are we mind, souls? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it hurts my brain to think about. So I'm like very dualistic. I'm like, well, I got my physical body I got to care for, and then I got the other part of me. <laughs> and I'll let God parse that all out. One day, hopefully, I'll understand. But there's all the like non-physical realities. I just call that soul, big soul. And so like the margin in your soul comes from the space between the care of yourself and the care of others. Does that make sense? If you're spending all your time caring for yourself, right, all of your, and, and time's not a good word, if you're spending all of your soul energy <laughs> caring for yourself and all of your soul energy caring for others, and there's no space for your soul not to be caring for itself or for others, but it just is, <laughs> you're just kind of content, like there's a problem there and we get overextended emotionally and what happens when that happens? We start snapping at people and we disappoint people with our, our tongues. And so if we start to instill margin, right, by saying yes and no to the, these positive things, some really powerful things happen, right? You see, the margins are where relationships flourish. Like, I believe that in my heart of hearts. When I leave space in my finances, when I leave space in my time, when I leave space in my soul care, like, relationships can flourish because I can just be in that moment. I can, I can have the space to, to, to be a blessing right, when I, I didn't plan to. And I can be, be ready in season and out of season is kind of the Bible way of saying it. But if we're always in season, <laughs> you'll never be ready for the out of season moment, right? And I think not only do relationships, but the truth of the gospel, the love that the peacemakers are to exude, hope flourishes in the margins, because hope demands all kinds of stuff of us, and that's actually what the next series is about. It's like eight weeks of hope being this demanding thing in our world and what that means of the community. But that's it, flourishes in there. But if there's no margin, forget it. It doesn't happen. And we just go in that disappointment cycle. And the beauty of it, like at the end of the day, when we crucify deceit, deceiving ourselves that we can do everything, deceiving ourselves that somehow I cannot disappoint people. I'm going to disappoint people. Let's just hold that one. Like you're going to disappoint people. There's going to be a gap between people's expectations of you and their experience with you. But what if you could control that gap in an honest way? So somebody expects you to be there, but when they say, can you be there? You say, I really can't. 
I really can't. I could say yes and try and kill myself, but I can't. But then I wouldn't be there, and then I would disappoint you. And so they'll walk away disappointed that you're not going to be there, but they won't be disappointed with you. And those are two very different things. I can be disappointed about something and maintain a really healthy, strong, great relationship, but if I get disappointed with someone, that's a different road. And here's what's really cool. When we crucify that deceit, because it's all about resurrection, what is resurrected in our lives? Integrity. Integrity. Like when we crucify, because again, God did not crucify Jesus. I believe that deeply. (laughs) Rome crucified Jesus in concert. Rome, religion, crucified Jesus. But God raised Christ from the dead, however you choose to think about that. Raised Christ from the dead, seated, exalted to the right hand. So what is it that God exalts in our lives? What is it that God resurrects in its integrity? And and, and how many of y'all know this world could use a little bit of integrity? Could use a little bit of integrity. But that's the beauty of it. But we have to learn to let our yes be yes and our no be no. So we're going to wrap up, give you some time to kind of process through this in the stillness. Uh, we have a song. And as we sing this song, it says, hope has a name, it's Jesus. Just take a few moments to just consider what is God inviting you into today? I hope you hear and sense God saying, hey, why don't you just become a person of greater and more integrity by just understanding your limits and live within and have some margin? I hope, hope maybe if you've, if you've disappointed over and over and over again. I I hope that you sense the loving conviction of God that says you need to go and acknowledge the wound that, that those actions created. Honor it. Don't let it become your identity, but honor it. Reconcile, apologize, and then do better. So that's all we can do. Do better. Trust God in it. And then I want to encourage everybody selfishly to attend the Good Friday experience. We, we rush to Easter. We love Easter. I love Easter. It's wonderful. I love it. But the resurrection means nothing without the death. And so I just want to encourage you to give up. It'll cost you about an hour and a half by the time you drive here, get your seat, sit for the 45-minute experience, and then go out afterwards to get home. But if you can... I'm not guilt. If you can't make it, you can't make it. It's not the end of the world. But there's value to it, all right? And so I just hope there's a whisper that says, ah, I'll be a part of this so that I can really maximize Easter. So we're going to just play this song. Finish filling out your Connect card. Um, you can drop those in the orange kiosk on your way back. I, I hope everybody will fill that out today. Just it's great to get prayer requests and comments, all that good stuff. And then we'll have our blessing and get out of here. I just modeled something for you. Before you leave, find somebody and tell them what you appreciate. Maybe you're picking your kids up. Maybe you see an usher, a greeter, just tell them thank you. Maybe it's somebody that's your friend you saw across the way. Just take a pause and say what you're thankful for, all right? So if you would be willing to, if you're comfortable, uh, just to raise your arms and receive this blessing into that soul part of who you are. May God bless you and keep you. And may God's love shine in and through you this week as you seek to live the life of a peacemaker. 
May you take time this week to consider the pace of your life, looking for where you might be living beyond your limits. And may you find the courage to create margin in your life so that your yes can be yes and your no can be no. And may the spirit of Jesus free you from the burden to do and be everything. And may you find inner peace in accepting those limits. And for those who feel they haven't been dependable, may you find the courage to seek forgiveness from those you've disappointed and find the wisdom to do better. And may all of us never justify uh, our failures, but may we humbly seek forgiveness. And may we all be quick to forgive when we are wounded by others this week. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Have an awesome week, everybody.